Jai Jananda. We'll start with the Nobkar Mantra. Om Namo Arihantanam, Om Namo Sitanam, Om Namo Ayadiyanam, Om Namo Ujjayanam, Namo Lovesavasahunam, Eso Panchanamo Karo, Sava Pavapanasano, Mangalalancha Savasim, Paramam Have Mangalam, Paramam Have Mangalam. Thanks everybody for coming this week. We've already talked about Jane sex and we've already talked about Jane Agams. So now we have the building blocks in place to talk about Jane holidays. One of the most important holidays is of course, thank you to everybody who just joined. Right now we're talking about Jane holidays. We're gonna be building on the, we're, we're starting to build the building blocks of Jane culture. Uh, one of the most important holidays we have is Paryushan. This is a major festival and it emphasizes Ahimsa, the reading of scriptures, a focus on moksha. That should always be our focus, but uh, okay, focus on moksha during Paryushan, a preservation of animal life and a symbolic cleansing of our souls. Um, it's It starts on the 12th day of the fortnight of the waning moon in Badarvo month. So two sentences in, we're already going to be starting a sidetrack here. The Jain calendar is a lunisolar calendar, oftentimes referred to as just the lunar calendar. A very strict lunar calendar is almost used by nobody because each month in the lunar calendar will be in a different season over the years. That is, let's say you had a January was in winter. Well, in a couple in years, January will then be in fall and January will then be in summer on a strict lunar calendar. Um, we have a lunisolar calendar, which means we adjust it so that the months stay in the same seasons. So just like we're used to with our current calendar, every four years we have a leap day in the lunisolar calendar, which we'll just call the lunar calendar from now on. In the lunar calendar, Every three years, we have a leap month, okay? So an extra month added so that the months remain in the same season. So the Jain months are Kartak, Magsar, Posh, Maha, Fagan, Chaitra, Vaishak, Jeth, Ashad, Shravan, Badarvo, and Aso. So those are the 12 months. I do not know what the 13th month is called, the leap month. If anybody knows, let me know. Um, I couldn't find out what that month is called. It might not be called anything, although that's kind of weird. It should be called something. They call it uh, Adik months, Adik months meaning in additional month. <laughs> right. That's probably why I didn't find it, because I saw additional month, and then I didn't have a name with it. So, okay. So that's very good. Okay, so we're going on a lunar calendar. So we're on these holidays, we're going to be talking about what uh, the increment of the lunar calendar is of course a fortnight, which is one complete cycle of the moon. And it's either waxing or waning. A waxing moon you sometimes see as a brightening moon and a waning moon you sometimes see called as a weakening moon. Okay, so back to Parishan. It occurs on the 12th day of the fortnight of the waning moon in Badarvo. Um, and it ends on the fourth day of the waxing moon in Badarvo. All right, so in Parishan, we fast and it's eight to 10 days. Eight if you're Shwetambar and 10 if you're Digambar. The Digambar is called Parishan Das Lakshna or Das Lakshna Parva. Uh, so the holidays also have a kind of a crazy amount of different names um, like Parishan Parva or Daslakshani Parva or so if if you get it confused just let me know and we'll talk about it. Okay, so we're all expected to fast on the last day of Parishan, but a lot of people fast on all eight to ten days. And of course the purpose of fasting is to remind ourselves that we are a soul, not a body. Okay, so um, our Spiritual leaders read out the Kalpa Sutra in detail, which is one of the major scriptures we have. We've already talked about that. 
They explained the 1250 sutras. And the very last day of Parishan is important in uh, both traditions. It's either called Samatsari or Anant Chaturdashi. Anant Chaturdashi or Ashad Chaturdashi, if you're Shwetambar or Digambar. On the very last day, um, Samatsari is a day we ask for forgiveness for for everybody to whom we have hurt or to whom might have hurt us. We ask for forgiveness and we offer forgiveness to everybody in accordance with the new year. And Anant Chaturdashi involves a special procession to the community's main temple. So in Digambar tradition is called Das Lakshna, which means 10. And you're supposed to focus on 10 values. That is one, forgiveness, two, humility, three, straightforwardness, four, purity of thought or freedom from greed, five, speaking the truth, six, self-restraint, seven is tap or the practicing of austerities, eight, renunciation, nine, non-attachment, and 10, chastity. So we focus on those things um, during Das Lakshana. Okay, so Parishan happens during a time called Chaturmas. Chaturmas is a four-month period um, during whenever it starts, the sadhus and sadhvis remain where they are until the until Chaturmas ends. And um, after that, they are allowed to move again. Uh, the four months starts on the waxing moon of Ashad, and it goes until the 14th day of Kartik. So that includes Ashad, Shravan, Badarvo, Aso, and ends on Kartik. Questions about Parishan? Can I ask a general question? Yes. So, we're, we as Jains are not the only ones that use this uh, lunar calendar. Uh, there are other religions that do as well. Uh, maybe... I think the Jewish religion does too, because Yom Kippur is not on the same day of the year. Do you know any other religions or do you know, you know, is that true or not? Or? Most religions use the lunar calendar. Hinduism uses the lunar calendar. Islam uses the lunar calendar. I would say most religions use the lunar calendar. I know a lot of Eastern religions use the lunar calendar as well. And when you think about it, it kind of makes sense. Um, if you don't have any scientific instruments, the best way to mark the time is the moon because the moon changes every night and you can see it over a period of 14 days. If you're looking at the position of the sun, you have to wait for years before, at least one year before it's, you start to notice the changes and you might not even notice it at first. It is tremendously not as obvious to use the sun as a demarcation of time as the moon. And so that's why uh, most calendars are lunar calendars. The sun is more precise, but it's very harder to see without the, see the changes without instruments. Does, does Jainism believe in Vastu? Because Vastu is based on uh, the science of the sun and moon as well. What is Vastu? It's like the feng shui, if you will, that uses the lunar calendar to decide what your proposed fate is, I guess. Does that make sense? Yes, uh, it absolutely makes sense. It's a kind of astrology. I have not heard of that. We did discuss that uh, Jainism has a section in the Agams about palmistry, we discussed that last time, so I wouldn't be surprised if it has this Vastu concept, but I have not heard of it. And when you say waxing moon, is that new moon? Can you clarify that? The waxing moon is when the moon is getting bigger. Okay. The part that we see is getting bigger, so the white part is getting bigger, and it ends on the full moon. 
no problem. So we have a Chaudas on both sides, right? You have a Chaudas for uh, waxing moon and a Chaudas for uh, wedding moon. So one is a full moon, one will be a new moon. Right. Okay, so moving on, let's talk about Mavarjanti. Mavarjanti is the birthday of Mahavir, who was, of course, the 24th Tirthankar and the one that set up the fourfold Jain system that we're in right now. Uh, we celebrate this on the fortnight of the waxing moon in the month of Chaitra. Of course, Mahavir was born to King Siddhartha and Queen Trishla. And during Mahavir Jainti, we celebrate with parades, celebrations, sharing of the faith. We share our faith with other people because other people are interested in why we're celebrating. A chariot procession a glorification of Lord Mahavir, discussions, discourses, seminars, and devotional and spiritual activities. The biggest party happens in Kshetriya Kund in Bihar because that's where Mahavir was born. So if you want to see the biggest party, you go there during Mahavir Jainti. Our next holiday is Diwali. It's celebrated on the new moon of Kartik. And on that night, Mahavir Swami attained Nirvana and was delivered to Moksha. Um, so we think of Diwali normally as kind of three nights. The night before he attained Nirvana, the night of Nirvana, which is Diwali day, and the night, uh, the day after. Because of course, Gautam Swami attained Nirvana the day after because he was attached to Mahavir being his first disciple, and he learned the lesson of non-attachment. And so as soon as Mahavir Swami died the next day and went to Moksha, the Gautam Swami learned that lesson and went to Moksha the next day. So we kind of celebrate in this three-day span. So during Diwali, we spend the night in uh, reciting holy hymns and meditating about the life of Bhagwan Mahavir. The next day, we think about the life of Gautam Swami and um, we celebrate his life. Uh, during some businessmen, uh, settle all old accounts on uh, Diwali and open new books on the new year, the day of the new year. We do Snatra Puja the day of the new year, the day of the new year. And Diwali is called the Festival of Lights because uh, 18 kings um, lit lamps in honor of Mahavir at the time that he attained moksha. Those lights symbolize enlightenment. So questions about Diwali. or Mavir Jainti. Okay, I would say those are the big three. Uh, these next ones are um, only certain people celebrate this or not as well known. We're kind of going in order of most well known to least well known. Next up, we have Akshaya Tritya, also sometimes called Varshitap. This falls on the third day of the waxing fortnight of Vaishak. Here we celebrate, uh, okay, so there are two penances that we celebrate here. One is Rishabdev's penance and the other one is Adinath's penance. And I'm not sure which one is more popular, but some people celebrate Rishabdev's penance and some people celebrate Adinath's penance here. Um, so, what were those penance? Those penance were fasting. How long did they fast? Adinath fasted one year and Rushabdev fasted uh, 13 months and 13 days, a continuous fast. So in honor of that, we fast. And of course, we are trying to prove to ourselves that the soul is different from the body. And then after we fast, we break that fast with sugarcane juice because both 
Rushabdev and Adinath broke their fast with sugarcane juice. Thank you to everybody who just joined. We're talking about Jain holidays. After Varshitap, we're going to be discussing Nyan, Nyan Panchmi. This takes place on the fifth day of the fortnight of the waxing moon in Kartik. So around the same time period, the fifth day after Diwali. On this holiday, we worship pure knowledge. Um, we worship uh, we worship pure knowledge by learning, fasting. Uh, we take vrats about knowledge. We recite, we meditate, we do pratikaman, which is a puja where we recite um, uh we recite certain sutras that remind us of Jainism. So it's the worship of pure, pure knowledge, Nyan Panchmi. Similarly, the next holiday we'll talk about is Loka, Loka, sorry, Lokasha Jayanti. And it's the time we celebrate our gurus or scholarly people. Uh, the festival honors the 15th century for, reformer Lonka Saha who founded the Stanakvasi sect, which we talk about, and who was opposed to the use of idols and the worship of idols of any sort. So questions or comments on any of those? We talked about Akshaya Tritya or Varshitap. We talked about Nyan Panchmi and we talked about Lokasha Jayanti. I got a question for you. Why do we even celebrate holidays? I mean, what is the point of just having 10 days to focus on Jainism during Pradishan? Why don't we focus on Jainism all the time? What is the purpose of a holiday? In, the, in general terms, I mean, I guess holidays... I would call it as, you know, a refreshing or doing something different uh, other than your routine is the way I would think the purpose of the holiday is. Right. So, but shouldn't we be doing it? Shouldn't we be making our behaviors on the holiday our routine? And you don't have to talk about Jane holidays. What is the purpose of any holiday? So that Hallmark can make more money on Hallmark. <laughs> and certainly there is that aspect. Jainism is not um, immune to the commercialization aspect of holidays. And it's something we have to fight. So are you saying that the, the holidays... The holidays are determined by the lunar calendar, right? Or the sun and the moon. And because of that, we're spending more time on holidays to do that rather than non-holidays. And then how, how does that play into Jainism is about, you know, self-realization rather than realization outside of that. Because a holiday is like, is a public thing, right? It, is, it has nothing to do with self-realization, right? Right. So a couple of great concepts you talked about, and I'd like to take them in turn. One is that the sun and the moon just determine when we celebrate. It, it has very little to do with why we celebrate or we just have determined that we're celebrating these things and they happened when the moon was in this position. So we're going to celebrate those events at that time, the same time the moon is in the same position, it doesn't really cause our celebration or have anything to do with the substance of the celebration. Uh, another thing you mentioned is that, yeah, it's kind of like a man-made thing. You won't find any of these holidays in the Agams. Um, we're getting further and further from the substance of Jainism. You won't find Jain holidays in our book, for example. I mean, we haven't... Uh, we got to get back to it, but we haven't been talking about 
Samvar, Nirjara, Ashrav, Karma for a long time now because we're kind of doing the building blocks of moving away from the book, which is not a good thing. Um, but we've talked about those, so I just wanted to talk about something different for a little bit. But a- another concept you mentioned, which is very correct, is that we're moving away from Jainism by talking about these holidays. That's for sure. Um, the final point you mentioned is certainly um, these holidays, uh, other cultures have these holidays. And my question to everybody is, what is the point of this holiday or any other holiday in our life? Why do people like them? You know, why should we not, why are we trying to do something different on these holidays rather than incorporating all of this stuff into our life? And do you think maybe holidays are giving us an excuse not to incorporate these things in our life? I would say, oh, I'll do that on Parishan. You know, I don't eat root vegetables and all that on Parishan, but we shouldn't be eating root vegetables every day of the year. And so if we shunt it to Parishan, we compartmentalize saying, oh, it gives us an excuse not to do it the rest of the year because we focused on doing it during Parishan. I think the purpose of the holiday is to remind us about what is true and how we should live our life. And the purpose of the holiday is it's easy to get stuck in a routine and it's easy to have that routine not incorporate Jainism at all. The purpose of the holiday is to refresh ourselves and remind us what we should be doing. We should be doing all of the things we do on holidays and festivals in our normal life. We should make it part of our life. I'll give you a little bit of a crazy example. When you do a diet, okay, the purpose of the diet is to show yourself that you can do it, that you can do it, that I'm going to take this two months and focus on eating right and exercising. But nobody thinks that the purpose of the diet is to be just two months and that's over. It's to change your life, which is hard, right? It's to change your life to make that be a part of your everyday life. And that's hard. And the purpose of the holiday is the same thing, is to remind ourselves this is what we should be doing. And it helps that other people are doing it at the same time. So we're supported by the community. And hey, this is what we should be doing every day is to incorporate these practices into our life and to make a lifestyle out of it. But it's hard because there are forces working against us all the time to try to not make it part of our lifestyle. I think that's the purpose of the holiday. Anybody disagree? Okay, let's keep going. Let's talk about Kartak Purnima. So remember on Chaturmas, the sadhus and fasadvis stay in place for four months. So in Kartak, when Chaturmas ends, uh, all the sadhus and sadhvis can start moving again. And so it's a celebration of movement. So all us Shravaks and Shravikas, we go on pilgrimages. We pilgrimage to other sacred places that are not in our town. <clears throat> One of the pil- the two best places to go to pilgrimages are um, Palitana and Shatrunjay. Is Shatrunjay in Palitana? Oh, you're on mute. Uh, Shatrunjay is a, a mountain that Palitana is in. Oh, right, right. Okay, so that's one of the best places to go to on this holiday. We also celebrate this holiday as the birth of some Acharyas, whose names I'm going to butcher. Kalika Sarvjana Acharya and Acharya Bhagwant Srivje. Bhagwant Srivje Hemachandra Surji. Hemachandra Suriji. Sorry about that. 
Um, so this is a day of pilgrimage. Next, let's talk about Mauna Agiaras, or a day of silence. We observe complete silence on this day for the whole day. We do fasting. We worship um, the Bhagavans. We do meditation. Um, we tell stories. One of the particular stories we tell are about the 150 Jinishvaras and the story of Survat and Shresti. Does anybody know that story? I like this one. This is one I haven't heard of. Um, has anybody heard of this one? A Day of Silence. I like this one. I think I might uh, incorporate this one into my life and I might do it on more than one day of the year. This happens on the 11th day of the fortnight of the waxing moon of Margish. Margshish. See, these months are called, these months also have a ton of names. We, at the top, we called it Mugsar. Okay. Um, so my theory is that the more important something is to a culture, the more names it has. That's why we have a ton of names for money, like a buck, a dollar, a greenback. We have just a, absolutely a ton of names for money. Um, we have a ton of names for these holidays and for these months. They're all called something different. Tamir, is that Mona Giaris? That The day you're supposed to keep the more, like more. Yes, day? yes, that's what we're talking about. Now, yeah, I've heard about Mona Gyaras, but not a story behind it. Right. Next, let's talk about Oli, sometimes called Iambil Oli or Navapad Oli. Um, the reason it's called Navapad Oli is because we meditate on nine things. The Panch Parmesti, which are five things. Nyan Jarshan Charitra, which are three, which five plus three make eight. And Thap, which makes nine. So we celebrate it twice a year. Um, we celebrate it in Chaitra and Ashwin, which we we called Ashad at the top, okay? Um, and we do semi-fasting. We take one meal a day. And the thing is, that meal, it doesn't have any spices, salt, milk, oil, butter, fruits, or vegetables. So we take extremely plain food. And we concentrate on the sermons uh, sermons that are given that day those days that's both our ambilni holy right we know we know that as ambilni holy that's right yeah and we just like i think jsh had about 30 to 35 people who did for nine days uh all nine days and uh there were i think maybe 50 or 60 on on weekends or something like that right and, and just one thing i mean you know Growing up, I thought Ambil was very difficult. I still think Ambil is is difficult. But one thing is, uh, we have a very good uh, team that actually puts this together. Uh, they actually offer tiffin options. And I remember as as a kid, when I went to, to Ambil Shala with my mom or uh, my aunt, they will ask me to eat something, like just anything there. And I, I'm not doing Ambil, but they would say, okay, try it. And I think it's a great way to, to do it. Even if you don't do proper ambil, just, you know, ask for food one of these days and try it because it's really not, I mean, you know, if as a kid, if we were fed this food, we probably would have been just fine. Since we have been given this spice and stuff, we, we all so used to it. It's like a habit in a way. Uh, if we did not have this habit, we would not, we would not need it. Uh, so I, it's it's a it's a great way to try try a different practice and uh, and kind of get out of the, the habit we're in. Oh, great. So two concepts I'd like to explore based on what you talked about. Certainly, in some ways, some people might find eating Iambil food harder than fasting. Because fasting is easy. I just don't worry about it comparatively. I mean, some people might say not, but, you know, I just don't worry about food. I don't think about food that day. But now you mentioned that you had a tough time. It may be that some people have a hard time eating this very bland food than fasting because 
when you're eating it, okay, you still you're, you're still getting hungry. It's not like you just shut your shut that part of your body down that day. And then you're also missing those things, right? You're missing those spices. You're missing that taste. And that makes you want it more than if you had been fasting, right? So I, I definitely agree that in, so for some people, this I am Bill food might be harder than fasting itself. I have a question. On Ambil, is it only eating it once? Or yes. Just once. Yes. Once a day. Um, and the second concept was, yeah, what are we supposed to be thinking about when we eat this I am built food? We're supposed to be thinking about food is fuel. The soul is not the body. I don't need this food, but if I have to have food to continue working on my soul, why not just have it be the most basic food possible so I don't get addicted to having a lot of fats, having a lot of oils, having a lot of spices, you know, having a lot of salt, having a lot of sugar. You're supposed to be thinking about that while you eat this food. And it's okay, it's doing penance, it's hard. It's supposed to be hard, but you're not supposed to not think about it. It's hard and you're supposed to think about it being hard while you're doing it. So that's a very important point. I would, uh, I would echo what Mihir said that, you know, uh, if you want to try it, you should definitely try the food. I think that time that I've done Ambel's, I've realized one thing, like, you know, we spend a lot of money sometimes trying to do these detoxes, you know, in the U.S. We were like, oh, let's detox, let's detox. I think if you do Ambel for a few days, you'll detox by yourself because it really resets your body from craving or, you know, eating the same thing over and over again. You know what happened to me one time when I got rid of a lot of these, um, I was trying to get rid of like, I'm trying to cut down on my salt. And I was trying to get rid of a lot of processed foods. And these processed foods like blow your taste buds away. And we get used to it. And we start to just think that that's normal. You know what happened when I cut that out of my life? I realized that the milk that I drink, I drink cow's milk, fat-free cow's milk, skim milk. You know that milk is actually sweet. I don't know if you guys knew that. And I did not know that before I let my taste buds recover from blowing them away every day. The milk that might be in your fridge right now, it's very, very sweet. And you might not know that if, if, if you haven't, if you haven't like tried this I am Bill. So that's great. We have some people that have done I am Bill here. Tell me what the food is. Tell me what you ate and what the food was. Hey, which one was tasty? Well, I, I, I can tell you that, you know, the, the last Ambil, I, I did this uh, past, sun, not this Sunday, but Sunday before, whichever it was during Ambil. Uh, it, it was, they have such a variety. That's one thing. You know, it was a myth that, you know, you don't get a lot of food in Ambil. You do. Uh, the other thing is, it's like, you know, let me put it this way. When I came to the U.S. for the first time and somebody let me try the Taco Bell food, I would say I will never eat again in my life. And guess what? I did it. It's developing a taste. The food is really good, much better than Taco Bell or any other. But like you said, I think we're so used to the processed food when the the the, the like or real food comes in into our plate, we don't like it because we just don't know what it should taste like. So that's why I think we should try. It was like the variety. The other thing is to do what I've learned is, you know, I eat rotli every day in a way. So I don't eat roti. I eat other stuff. I eat rotlo. I eat something that I'm not so used to every day because then your mind naturally tries to compare and say, okay, this is how roti should be. There should be ghee on it and everything. Well, I don't eat rotlo every day. So I try rotlo instead of roti. Then there are other things that like, you know, those who do ambil will, will, will tell you, like, for example, how to eat it. And I don't want to kind of go into specifics right now, but the food was delicious. I wasn't hungry at all after that. Uh, I felt really good at the end of the day because my body doesn't have to process all these grease and other stuff. Uh, when you do it, a lot of people, it's a good feeling. It's just a positive vibe that we get. And uh, it, it is like more choices food-wise than you would eat on a regular day. That is definitely for sure. I think one thing I would uh, I would add to that uh, that me here said is that 
You know, Ambel food, when it's usually served, it's served very warm and hot. And that changes not only the taste, but probably the energy you get from the warmth of that, you know, that your body is not used to eating because we're used to eating cold food sometimes, you know. That's one thing. The second thing is that it's change. So it's difficult as in like you're, you have to get used to it, right, you know. But I think that if you try it and you figure out what you like, um, you know, this this time I, I went uh, one day to go give out food uh, for Ambel. And there are certain people that eat certain things in a sequence, you know, uh, for whatever reason. They've been doing Ambel for a long time and they, they eat mug first or magnopani first. And then they have a sequence of how, how they do that. And like, you know, I don't know, guys like me, we just just eat, right? Like we, whatever comes, we just start eating it. So um, there is some science to it. I'm not sure what that is yet, but yeah, um, you know, if someone wants to try it, I'll, I'll definitely hook you up with my mother-in-law. She's all a big fan of it. So she'll be glad to go ahead and help you guys out. Good question. So is Amel food more about no salt, no sugar, no spices, right? But is fruit included or not? When is it? So it's supposed to be all natural? No, they use the salt, but it's salt to use is a sindonama. So there is no such things. It's moru uh, kawano, but it's uh, you have the spices like the black pepper they use and uh, sindo, sorry, sindonama. So it's, it's, food, it's food to fuel your body only, which I guess you're saying all natural stuff, right? In a way? No? Then yeah. Isn't fruit also just natural? I mean, are you saying because it has just natural? There's no. Why is that not okay to eat? I don't know. Because the fruit is um, has been agriculturally grown to be super duper sweet. Well, yes. Like, I mean, like. Okay. Go ahead, Ashish. I mean. I don't know if all grains today are natural either, right? I mean, you got all this uh, news about how cross-contamination cross or whatever could have made better, so, you know. So you, usually during Ambel that I've seen is they use mostly kator, so mostly lentils, that they uh, boil, steam, blend to make the food. Ashish, maybe your question, if I interpret this right, regarding vegetable and also uh, uh, it's it's the jeev right I mean vegetable fruit and I, I'm not 100% I don't have 100% answer yet but they are all live jeev and even the salt which I think Umesh mentioned earlier which is true you know one of the things I learned about my teacher that actually jeev the salt we have it's it's not like I don't know how to explain it I don't know if it's ekindriya bedriya but they actually asked us, so now we don't have we don't have a spoon in our salt ni uh, uh, salt no container. Say we don't keep spoon anymore, because what we learned is you are it's like you know keeping a knife on your. This is the way we were explained. Keeping a knife on your neck is like all the time. It's like a spoon in the salt bottle. Uh, so I think we're trying to avoid the jeeves uh, that I, I, grain was a jeeve at one time. But it's dried up. So I don't know how grain versus fruit and vegetable, that could be a good good thing to explore and understand. But also, I think it's mostly avoiding any jeev. And that's why the fruit and vegetables is not part of uh, Ambil uh, in this case. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I have sort of a vague understanding, not, not good at all. Right. In, in that case, that would probably make a lot more sense. Okay. And my understanding is that a fruit is extremely sweet. Um, and that's why we want to avoid extreme, extreme um, tastes in our food. Very good discussion. Any other questions or comments? All right. Next, let's talk about Paush Dashmi. This is the birthday of Bhagavan Parshvanath, and we celebrate on the 10th day of Pusha, which I call Posh at the top. Uh, we perform continuous fasting for three days and we um, do meditation. 
Next, there's a procession that happens in Sankeshwar. And that's the Parshvanath's birthday. Uh, finally, we have, I'm going to screw this one up, our Grand, Consecra Grand Consecration Festival, which is called Mahamastakabhisheka. Oh, I didn't screw it up. That's very good. Um, so we um, anoint Jain images uh, all around the world. And the most famous celebration of this happens in Shravan Belgola, which remember is a very sacred place. Remember from last time in Karnataka, India. There, there's a statue that is 60 feet high of Bhagavan Baubali, who was the son of Rishabnath. Um, so we celebrate uh, every once every 12 years. Um, I don't know. The next ceremony is in 2030. So we just had one in 2018. And so there at Shravan Belgola, there's a statue that's 60 feet high of Bobali, And they pour like sandalwood paste and they put roses and they put holy water. They pour holy water down the statue. So we anoint our Jain images. That's the most famous one, but it happens everywhere around the world. And um, we anoint our statues and our pictures and our um, uh uh, the places we have in the temple, uh, and we remember the exceptional qualities of the people that are displayed in those images and those idols. So that's a, if you ever want to go see that, that's something to see in 2030, make your plans for right now and uh, go to Karnataka and we can do that there. So questions or comments, that's the last one I have. Um, questions or comments about anything we talked about? Of course, we talked about the three big ones, Paryushan, Diwali, and Mavar Jainti. And then we went into some lesser known ones. I hope that um, you find some favorites there and try to incorporate them into your life. I certainly will on mine. I like this day of silence one. Uh, I think it's a vow that I could do. And I think that will make me concentrate on my soul rather than my body. And it will make me turn inward. And, you know, it will make me realize that the things I have to say are useless. They're not worth anything. They're not worth more than the things that I do. So I really like that one. Timur, on that, uh, that day, it looks like I, I looked it up. Uh, it's going to be December 14th. Okay. This year. And uh, let's see if I, I, I will, I would like to do that as well. December 14th so we'll, we'll remind each other and everybody who, who is interested in doing doing that day we'll find out more about what is the because there is you know one interesting thing about whether it's Naupad Puja uh, or Mona Gyaras or Gnan Pancham there is uh, things after it that uh, there is Vidhi they call it Vidhi or kind of procedure if you will that we should follow that day and if we can do that, I think it takes our mind away from other things or other routines like we talked about on holidays. So we'll try to find out that as well and see what's feasible uh, for that. And so I'll, I'll, I'll try to try to get some more details on it. Oh, thank you very much. Other questions or comments? Now, next week, there is Patsala for the older kids face-to-face. -face. We will still be online. Um, Bavin has, uh, volunteered to, for people that go there, of course, I know that you have to take your kids to Patsala there. That's fine. So if you want to find Bavin and, um, hopefully you can find a quiet spot and then you can use his phone and we'll all be together there. Um, and so, but, uh, we will still be online, but, uh, the kids of course won't be. And of course the little kids, they're going to still be online too. So only seventh grade and above. Uh, we'll be face-to-face -face for Patsala next week and probably moving on. And then hopefully we can start a hybrid type of deal. Um, and then when we go back, of course, when everybody goes back, then Dad's class will be back face-to-face -face and will also be online. Hopefully I can figure that out. Um, but if not, well, then we'll do recording. Uh, you, you can't win, okay? So I certainly understand that there are people that love online and that won't, I will going to lose when we go face to face. I certainly understand that people that want to be face to face that will gain going back face to face. But hopefully we'll come up with a situation where we can 
service the most amount of people possible. Uh, Timur, I think that's a great idea. Hybrid approach is uh, ideal uh, to at least, I, I've seen even in my, my classes at school, they've gone online, but a lot of professors offer that uh, convenience, which actually helps, uh, you know, when you can't go, you can still keep the continuation of, uh, of the coursework by doing so. So I, I think hybrid is, is really the uh, great idea for the future. Okay, then I might have to pony up for the extra part of my phone plan to let me use my phone as like a, a, a tether. And then that way my computer can connect to the internet on my phone. Then that way when we're face to face, then uh, we can still have our online friends. So I'll probably do that. Yeah, and, and definitely if just a, a thought from that, I don't know, I've never tried in the trailers, uh, if you have a good Wi-Fi system. But that's something, you know, we should ask for because I, I think, I don't know what, what the Parchala's plan is going forward, but it could be a good addition to have a good Wi-Fi system in all the trailers so that it can be, can be used for future or if other class wants to do the same thing. I can tell you that uh, we, uh, the IT team had, uh, had a CapEx where they extended the Wi-Fi to the, tr the first two or three trailers that comes in properly. So that's A, B, and C, that's the closest ones to the, the temple. The trailer we sit in all the way in the back, I don't. I haven't tried it there, so I don't know. But the whole fact that the little kids aren't coming, we should be able to use our original room that we were, allowing us to get proper Wi-Fi inside the temple anyhow. I'm assuming. I think the other thing was, when we, when we put it in, I remember testing it. It was, it was pretty good. But even when we all go there and people start using it, then the service becomes degraded. I think that was the other problem that was happening. All right, so a number of challenges. I just ask that you work with me and be patient as we transition. It's going to be a transition period, but then we'll become into a new stable period where everybody will know what the procedure is. Thank you. Just, just one point I want to make on this point because, as you know, at Dad's class, we, we kind of help them. And I think we, we have with, uh, some expertise here uh, in terms of helping Pachala in that front because we may not have as many people, but I know, like, for example, Karika's class, people are from Washington. Uh, there are people from Austin I, I, I saw in one of the other class. I think it would be a great service if we can provide this technology. If teachers are not, not to push it that way, like since you are already wanting to do that, you know, we could be a good pilot. If we, I mean, you might find a, we might as a class find a solution for ourselves, but if we do it for, for other classes as well, I mean, I, I think it'll be beneficial to a lot of kids who are out of state. So uh, something as, as we transition, I think if we can help, I, I don't know what the answer is to get a, a Wi-Fi system, maybe run a router uh, cable uh, uh, over there and then have a Wi-Fi there, something like that could be done so that if we work in parallel, maybe if it doesn't happen in short time, it can happen in, in a bit longer time. Uh, it's, uh, it's something we can, we can help. I, I, would, I would certainly want to help with that part. Sure. I certainly agree with you and I agree with the, where you're coming from and the principles that you're coming from. I want our classes to be as accessible all over the world as possible. However, there are some issues that we may not be discussing here, which is why it's above my pay grade and we need to talk to him and there about it. One is that some of the teachers want to get rid of this online stuff. And when we go back face to face, they don't want, want to have to worry about computers in the trailers because they've never worried about that. So they're in their mind, this is a transition and it has always been and they don't want to do that. So that's why it will have to come from him under. Uh, second is that the JSH needs to work out a membership policy. I think it's a great idea. Um, whether we want, let's say, a person joining in from Washington, whether we want them to being a paying member of the JSH who has paid their dues, or if we can give them some kind of out-of-state membership, that will have to be worked out at levels that are above me right now. Um, so they're a kind of, a, it's a multifaceted issue. Um, and so I think that we should 
that's something that we should strive for and we should bring it up uh, to the leadership and to Hemander and the Patsala committee. Other questions or comments? Regardless, we stay online or not. Are we planning to continue record these things? Absolutely. Sure. I finished uh, finish the lessons that I missed and uh, about the prayers, how the prayers help uh, or not. Oh, okay. What did you think? Uh, I have mixed feelings about it. I, I do believe, I, I kind of had an intuition that all the prayers what we do typically is point to us. That was my original question because of that. And then I also think one of that the universal prayer that you mentioned it was a very good good discovery for myself but then the second aspect was you know we do believe and we do think that devs and devios that they can actually make impact to this human being right so the prayers pointing it to them asking help for others could be beneficial Yes, that is a great point that we did not discuss. So just for everybody's benefit, remember when we pray to Mahavir to intervene in our life, nothing happens because Mahavir is in Moksha and he is residing there in ultimate bliss. However, there are heavenly beings and hellish beings which can interfere in somebody's life um, and they can interfere for good or for evil. Okay, and so there are ways to pray towards heavenly beings. So rather than, so Bhavan's point was that actually our conclusion might have been wrong because when we say, I'll pray for you, let's say I'm, I'll pray for you for another person. What I'm doing is I'm praying to a heavenly being to intervene into your other person's life. However, the counterpoint to that is, of course, karma. That is, that person's karma has a lot to do with whether that intervention happens. So maybe my prayer is not as useful as much as that person's karma. That is a very good point that we did not discuss last time. Thank you for bringing that up. Thank you so much for your time this week. I really appreciate that. And we'll see you very soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.